season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. That idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea and then... Uh, Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Tuesday. Plenty of terrible Tuesday takes coming your way this hour. Plenty to vent about. Uh, if I see, if I see any more of these nonsensical fourth downs, fourth down calls, I'm gonna lose it. Or two point conversion calls, I'm gonna lose it. Oh, I gotta save that. That's a little bit later. All right. All right, we talked Raiders uh, in the first hour. We'll touch uh, upon that again. Raiders get the victory 16-14 over the Browns last night. The Raiders survive in advance. Felt like a playoff game. Treated like a playoff game. But the quality of play, definitely not playoff game worthy. But hey, as Al Davis once said, just win, baby, right? Uh, A win is a win. All right, so Raiders uh, get the victory. 7-7, Denver on tap. Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, we'll dive into that and a whole lot more here in hour number two. All right, let's uh, join our good friend over at the Red Rock Casino. He's hanging out today. I'm sure a good crowd is on uh, hand in enjoying the famous Idaho Potato Bowl on the blue turf. That is Chuck Esposito, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, Chuck? Hey, TC. How you doing today? Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun kind of having some bowl games and uh Pro Football Tuesday, uh, you can't beat that. So a little bit different with the two games, both starting at 4 o'clock. But uh, handle's been pretty good on both games. All right, uh, good deal. Let's uh, talk about these games here tonight, Chuck. I mean, we've got two teams, just like the Browns, they were affected big time with all the positive uh, COVID tests. And uh, the two teams involved tonight in separate games, uh, the Rams and the Washington uh, football team. Let's first start with uh, the Rams. They really, unlike Cleveland, it wasn't a a bunch of their starters that were affected with this, but they still decided to move the game uh, to Tuesday. Got a very early start here at SoFi Stadium uh, in Los Angeles. But the Rams seem to be in pretty good shape here, Chuck. And you're saying that you're... You're getting some pretty good two-way action here, but uh, I, I I can't anticipate that uh, a lot of people are going to be on the home team and the favorite here, the Rams, considering how Seattle's been playing as of late. Yeah, actually, I said we're getting good action on both games. I didn't I didn't say that it was just on the favorites, uh-huh. um, but I didn't say that it was just two-way uh, actually. But um, that's yeah, me. You're, big... you're, that's right. That's me. I, I blew that, Chuck. There you go. You're right. right. <laughs> no worries. No worries, buddy. But, um, yeah, it's a big game to the Rams. It looks like there'll be no locket for the Seahawks. Rams are getting a couple of guys back, and, and Henderson and Von Miller. These two teams played on that Monday night game, if you remember, and that was the game that Russell Wilson got hurt in. Uh, I think the Rams at 9-4 and four are in a good spot right now. They've won two in a row. Cardinals have lost two in a row. It's a Seahawks team that's probably just trying to play the role of a spoiler. They've got a tough schedule to finish the year. Um, getting a touchdown here. It doesn't look like it's going to move off that seven points, TC, either way before kickoff. All right. And then the total here at uh, 46 and a half here, obviously, uh, you know, whether or not a, a factor here, but, I, you know, can you trust the Seahawks offense to put up enough points for this thing to get to the over? I don't know. You know, without without Lockett, no Alex Collins, um, Rashad Penny's going to have to kind of be the guy a lot more tonight and see how Russell Wilson plays. Uh, they've played a little bit better of late, but I think it's a Ram team that was kind of built for the postseason. So the Rams just want to kind of get healthy and get that swagger. Their defense, no question, is a Super Bowl-caliber defense. Um, you've got a quarterback in Matt Stafford who's never been in this position late in his career or late in the season to win some big games, but hard to trust that Seattle offense that just doesn't score enough points. Yeah, When you look at the Rams, uh, Chuck, I think everybody was expecting this team to either, uh, I don't want to say run away with the NFC West, but they thought, okay, this this team would, you know, is definitely a playoff team, and they've really... Um, you know, scuffled quite quite a bit during the course, you know, of the season. They started to play some better football as of late, 
And then, you know, when they got Von Miller and you look at, you know, guys that they already have, you know, with Jalen Ramsey and company, uh, you, you would think that this, this Rams defense would be better statistically. And they're still, I mean, pretty fearful, especially up front with Aaron Donald and company. But, you know, this team has been pretty susceptible against the pass. I think they're, they're 23rd uh, against the pass in total yards. It's 20th, which, uh, again, is the bottom half uh, of the NFL. What, what do you think it is with this Rams defense? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they're a good team still, and I think if they kind of right the ship and get hot at the right time, they can be scary good. Um, I still had them ahead of the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals had a better record as overall teams in the NFC. Um, their defense is talented. Again, we, we, we figure they're built to win now with all the number one picks they've given up. I think offensively that loss of Robert Woods was, was a huge loss. Um, late in the season to lose that guy. He he really complimented Cooper Cup great. He was the underneath guy. Um, it's hard to say with, with this Rams team, which Rams team's going to show up on a nightly basis. It is a divisional game. Um, you know, these two teams have met on primetime, as I said, but it's a much bigger game for the Rams just to kind of keep pace with, uh, with the cards. And they're really, you know, just a game ahead of the, the 49ers right now that are one of the hottest teams in the league. I think you're going to see T.C., Three teams from the NFC West get into the postseason. Yeah. We're going to talk about the 49ers here in a minute. Uh, I want to uh, go back to the other game tonight with uh, the Eagles taking on Washington. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, is going to get the start here tonight. There's a big question mark whether it's going to be him or Gardner Minshew. But when you look at this Washington team, man, they are severely, uh, you know, banged up to begin with. And then you put all the COVID issues there. Uh, Heineke uh, will not get the start tonight. Uh, Gilbert, who started one time, I believe, with the Cowboys last year, actually got got a win. So he gets signed uh, from the practice squad all the way up, and he's going to get the start against the Eagles here tonight. As we know, Chuck, the Eagles really haven't been a great home favorite. Uh, They're a touchdown favorite just like the Rams are tonight. How do you see this game playing out? Actually, the Eagles are just 1-4 and at home this this year, TC, and and they're more than a touchdown favorite now. This number continues to inch up. Um, I think a big product that it's going to be Gilbert at quarterback, that there's a number of injuries that that Washington has. Um, It's hard when you look at a Philadelphia team that just doesn't score that many points. I mean, you think about the struggles of of you know some of the other teams in their division, and this Eagle team likes to run the ball. They don't throw a ton. A lot's on Jalen Hurts' shoulders. Yet they're approaching double-digit favorites here. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some Washington money show up. Divisional game. These two teams know each other well. Uh, one of the lower totals you've seen on the board for quite some time now. Um, but uh, this this game has steadily crept up, and I think, again, it's a key product of, of no Allen, no Henneke, and Gilbert starting at quarterback for the Eagles, for the Reds, for the Washington football team, I should say. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, and that, that's the thing with, with Philly. I mean, you cannot trust them, you know, laying points, and, and especially at home, not just this season, but in seasons past, and uh, they, they really do not have a great home field advantage. I'm not sure what that's all about, but this team really has underperformed at home. I think they've kind of righted the ship a little bit, though, overall for their season. I mean, a win here for either one of these two teams kind of catapults them to 7-7 seven and seven and right in the wild-card mix. I kind of love this season that you've got so many teams that are still alive. I think there's around 24 or 26 teams that still have a chance to be in the postseason. I think it's going to set up a much more competitive Week 17 and 18. I think we chatted about it before. Last year, Week 17, there wasn't even a good enough matchup for both teams that a game was flexed to prime time. There was no game. I think that's going to happen this year because of the way it's structured, because of the three wildcard teams and so many teams that are still in the hunt in both conferences. You know, Tuesday night football, uh, very, very strange, unless you we, you get a mat game or two uh, during the course of the college football season. But now you have two games, two NFL games. You had the two NFL games last night as well, too. But, you know, they were tiered where you had a 2 o'clock start and then the 515 uh, traditional start. Both of these games were at 4 o'clock, Chuck. Uh, I, don't, I guess the only thing I could figure out why the NFL decided to, to have both of these games at the same time and for early starts because it's already late in the week and they want to get this game over so it doesn't affect these teams so they can you know travel, get back, and try to get some sort of a semblance of a normal week for the rest of the week as they get ready you know, for action coming up uh, Sunday. But uh, what are you doing from a TV perspective here? Uh, you got both of them. You're going to treat it just like a Sunday, I understand that. Who gets the sound tonight? Who does the, the Rams game get the sound or the Eagles game gets the sound? 
I think the Rams game does, but, you know, during commercials, uh, yeah. definitely can flip back and forth. And if one of the games appears to be way more competitive late, um, we'll change it, too. You know, and anything that we can do to kind of give our guests uh, the best experience that we can give them in, in our books, we'll do. I mean, I would say yay sports books. Pro football on Tuesday, um, it's kind of fun at this time of year. I know that, you know, it hurts these four teams um, with kind of a short work week and the change in travel and, you know, who they play next week. But um, overall, I mean, having the two bowl games today and, and having two pro football games yesterday and today has kind of been a, kind of a cool environment, I think, an atmosphere in our book. I know, it's fantastic, especially, you know, here in Vegas or anywhere in Nevada. You're at the sports books. You, you're loving this. I mean, because you're getting meaningful football as well, too. Because as we know, a lot of times with the bowl games, you know, you, you may not have some great marquee matchups or whatever, and a lot of the the fans and the betters may not know a lot of these teams. Like, you look at Wyoming and Kent State, you know, happening right now. But tonight you've got meaningful football where all four of these teams still have some sort of playoff aspirations. Uh, I, I think it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be fantastic. And, uh, you know, like I said, we know the players don't like it, the coaches don't like it, and the league really doesn't like it. But it is what it is at this point in time. And uh, we're looking forward to having two pretty good competitive games tonight. Yeah, I would agree. Both, you know, divisional games, these two teams know each other well. I think it's going to be, a, you know, a tall task for Seattle to kind of make a run and get back in it. Uh, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but Rams battling for that top spot in the NFC West would much rather host a playoff game than have to be in a wild card spot. Washington and Philly, you know, they've had their moments this year where they both kind of played good. Um, I'm interested to watch this game, though. I think they, they kind of play old football a little bit, old school football, where they grind it out. Riverboat Ron is definitely a guy who might go for it on some fourth downs tonight. Um, so I think both are kind of compelling matchups. And again, from my side of the counter, it's EA Sportsbooks. There it is. All right, you mentioned the 49ers. Uh, this team is 8-6, and six, but I think if you've been watching the Niners you know, over the last few weeks, you'd probably think, well, how come this team isn't better than 8-6? and six? That's because they struggled so much early on in the season. But the Niners have really put a nice little string together. I mean, you go back and look, they've won five out of their last six ball games. Uh, they, they are a threat. And you can probably make the argument, Chuck, uh, and probably with zero argument, that they are the best team in the NFC West right now. You could say that. I think, you know, the, all three teams are really, really good. I think it's a Niner team, TC, that nobody is going to want to face in the postseason. If they continue to play this way, we know they can play some D. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has been really good. I mean, when he was healthy early in his career, I mean, he was winning way more games than he was losing. He just couldn't stay healthy. There's been really no discussion about Trey Lance there. He's kept him on the bench. George Kittle has kind of had an emergence this year where he's back to what he was two years ago. Samuel is what a weapon out of the backfield to be able to to run the ball and catch. Ayuk is out of the doghouse, and it doesn't matter who runs the ball for that team. They all seem to have success in that scheme. The defense is relatively healthy. You look at the Titans, and I think they're kind of a sleeping giant a little bit. You know, they haven't had Henry. They haven't had Moore. They haven't had uh, Brown. They haven't had Julio Jones. If you can get all these guys back in the postseason, I think they're still a scary good team. They're going to win the AFC South because they beat the Colts twice this year. To me, they're a little bit of a sleeping giant once the postseason starts if they can get those guys back, especially Henry. Yeah, that was unfortunate for uh, Tennessee uh, backers to lose that game to the Steelers, uh, 19-13, basically because the Titans turned the ball over four times in this game. And again, they, like I said, they, they, they couldn't clinch it. I mean, kind of like Arizona. I think a lot of people thought, oh, Arizona was going to win easy, but whether it was the early morning game or not taking Detroit seriously or just the fact that Arizona has not played well over the, the last few weeks, I mean, you look at these teams, Chuck, and, and, and we're thinking, okay, you know, they're, they're going to be threats come playoff time, but there is just, it seems to be so much parity right now, which is a great thing for the NFL. Yeah, I was going to use the same word. There is a lot of parity. I think, you know, um, a lot of teams that are healthy kind of have that swagger. Um, again, taking nothing away from the Cardinals. I think they're a really good team and a great story this year, but I still had them as my fifth best team in the NFC um, behind Dallas and Green Bay and Tampa and the Rams. I think it's a, it's a Detroit team that you can make a case they're one of the, the best 2-11 and 11 teams ever. I mean, they're competitive. They're in almost every game. I think only once in the last six weeks, six, six games, have they been beaten by more than one score. And I think the Cardinals, I think Murray's still a little bit banged up. 
But I, for me, it's, it's the loss of Hopkins. When you lose a guy like Hopkins who catches everything, opens up the, the middle of the field, uh, whatever end of the field he's on, um, it really opens things up for A.J. Green and, and Moore and Kirk. And not having him, I think, really hurt that team. Uh, and maybe the hangover from getting beat at home on primetime uh, by the Rams after kind of early on being in control of that game. So I think there's a number of factors for them. They're still good at 10-4. and four. They've got an explosive quarterback. If they get healthy, I still think they're up. They're a serious threat. But for me, they're the number five team in the NFC. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us uh, over at uh, Red Rock. Uh, talking about the double-digit favorite that the Cardinals were, I mean, nothing more shocking than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers performance. Not only did they not cover as a double-digit favorite, not only did they not cover, not win, Chuck, they scored zero. They got zero on their home field in one of the ugliest football games we've seen in quite some time. Nine-nothing Saints win on Sunday night. I mean, you had to be shocked. I mean, we were all shocked at this performance by not just Brady, but just the, the way the 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 Tampa Bay offense could not move against that that's uh, stealth uh, Saints defense and I and I get it you know Tampa Bay incurred some injuries during the course of this game but still not to score a single point in your home field as a what twelve point favorite a little bit shocking yeah I mean the Saints love playing Tampa they've played them extremely well now four straight games with wins um, I think it was a product though of the the injuries. Um, you know, taking nothing away from the Saints. I mean, their offense is dismal right now. Their defense was pumped up. They were fired up. They know how to play against Brady. But when you lose, you know, your three top offensive weapons, we've seen that with, with other teams. The Titans I mentioned earlier, uh, the Jets have been, been missing key players. It is tough to get that offense on track. Now, to score zero points with Brady, and you know, they're, they're the, they were the highest scoring team in the league coming in, and Brady hadn't been shut out since 2006. So it was still shocking, even under the circumstances, that they were able to, to get shut out on their home field. Um, maybe it's a little bit of a wake-up call for Tampa. Um, whoever gets that number one seed in the NFC, if it happens to be Tampa or Green Bay, you know, I think has a decided advantage, especially Green Bay, because for me it's the toughest place in football to play in Lambeau, especially in late January. It gives Aaron Rodgers a chance to rest that toe, get a little bit healthy. And Brady, although he's the GOAT, love him, he's great, but still he would love to have that extra week off and not have to go travel uh, to, to Green Bay if it all worked out that way in the NFC title game. Yeah, you got it. All right, Chuck, the, uh, the game last night between the Vikings and the Bears – uh, the the Vikings get the job done, seventeen nine. Bears get the la- uh, late touchdown. Hey, was there was there any drama in the sports book last night? Because we we're approaching that number of the Vikings favored by seven when the when the Bears scored that last touchdown with one second to go. There was, I mean, for you know, for a brief minute, but I think everybody realized pretty quickly, um, and even they said it on TV that. Since it was meaningless, they weren't going to let them kick the extra point. I'm not really sure why that rule's in play. Um, you could have a team that you know could work on a two point conversion. I understand that it's a, a meaningless uh, you know touchdown at that point, but yep, there definitely was. I mean, even the second half, Minnesota was a one point favorite in the second half. That caused it to push out um, instead of no touchdown being a Minnesota win, uh, the extra point being a Chicago win. It caused it to push out. But hey, it's one of the kind of quirky rules that they have in pro football. And as you said earlier, sometimes it just is what it is. You know, and and this thing just, I don't get it. Because the clock does not run after, you know, for a regular PAT. And remember the rule before this, the NFL always had the rule. It didn't matter. I mean, you're going to attempt it. And even if guys were walking off the field or whatever, I mean, some guys would, some teams would would kick the extra point. They'd go for two, or sometimes they'd say, "Okay, fine, we're just going to go Neil Diamond." But they would at least run the play. And I don't understand why the NFL would do that when, if you're going to go by the rules, where if they if it's an untimed down, well, it's not untimed down, but it's just it's supposed to be part of the score. That's why the clock does not run, and it just seems. A, a weird adaption to this rule. It's like uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, the timing and everything is still the same as it's always been. And when you used to attempt the extra point, I would imagine Chuck that that gets a lot of betters very very furious. Especially if you did have the Bears last night, because if you have seven, you kick the extra point, you're going to get a push. Maybe they go for two, and maybe they end up covering. Yeah, it's uh, again, it, it's a quirky rule, and you know. 
granted, the game meant nothing to Chicago, but I mean, it, it could come down to tiebreakers sometimes. Even if it's a meaningless score, you know, what did the other team beat the other team by, uh, especially in a divisional game? I'm not crazy about it, but there's nothing we can do about it, and uh, I don't understand why they changed it myself. But hey, I still don't know what pass interference is. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what what roughing the passer is anymore. Yeah, right. So hey. There's something we have to live with, buddy. Exactly. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us. All right, Chuck, let's look ahead uh, to the Raiders coming up uh, this weekend. Again, a short uh, week, but the Denver Broncos are coming to town. No Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke uh, is coming to town. Last time Drew Locke was here, he threw four interceptions, uh, and, and the Raiders routed the Denver Broncos. I think it was 37-12. to 12. Uh, what, what do we have for an early line on this game on Sunday? Yeah, the Raiders are under a field goal favorite, T.C., which kind of surprises me. I think the game's got to tick up to three at least. I know the Raiders have, you know, a bunch of guys that are kind of, you know, banged up. You've got some guys in COVID protocol. But, you know, this was the game that when, when Gruden resigned that they went into Denver and played arguably one of their better games of the year. They kind of circled the wagons and played well. Drew Locke has really struggled when given the opportunity to produce. Both teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Much bigger game, I think, for for us locally for the Raiders. I mean, you can win here and you go to eight and seven. It also pushes them to four and four at home. Last year they had a losing record at home. You know, a loss here it almost guarantees they're going to have a losing record. It's going to guarantee they have a losing record at home. So I, I think it's a big game for the Raiders. I think from a fan side of it, you're going to see and, and guess backing them with their pocketbook. You're going to see that. I think from the book side of it, you know, we're going to be Bronco fans when this game kicks late um, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, probably imagine a lot of Raider money uh, coming in here. Uh, quick look ahead to the rest of the week. And again, we have a Christmas Day game. Well, actually, we have a Thursday game too. Talk about the Niners and the Titans. And the Niners, a three and a half point road favorite. Talked about Tennessee. Um, being being banged up here, but uh, they, they still have a quality football team here. And then the red-hot 49ers, who have been playing a lot here on the road with some cross-country travel, they're going to get another one here uh, for a Thursday game, Chuck. And we know that traditionally uh, home teams are usually much better suited for these Thursday games. Uh, what, what do you make here of the Niners being a road favorite? TC, they're 5-2 and two on the road this year, so it really hasn't bothered them that much. They've been more comfortable on the road. I think the style of game that they play is pretty much conducive for any place in the league. A lot, I think it's a product, again, of what we touched on earlier. Although the Titans are 5-2 and two at home, I mean, Julio Jones has no touchdowns this year. You haven't had Derrick Henry um, or A.J. Brown for the bulk of the season. Their defense has had to come up and make big play after big play. They had that stretch earlier this year where they beat all the top feeders in the league but they've come back to earth a little bit, and I think it's a, it's a product, again, of the accumulation of injuries, not just one key player, but several key players that is you know, really affecting the Titans right now. Saturday, you got the Browns and the Packers at Lambeau. That's a 130 kickoff. The uh, Packers, an eight-point favorite there. But the nighttime game, Chuck, very, very interesting as the Colts travel to the Cardinals. And the Colts, a dynamite defense. Carson Wentz has, has been pretty good. And then what are we going to get with the Cardinals here? I mean, they're coming back home. Uh, that embarrassing performance last week coming off uh, the game before, like you mentioned, you know, against the Rams, uh, where the Rams really kind of dominated them in that contest. Uh, this Colts team, uh, watch out, Chuck. And this is a team that definitely needs to, to win out uh, the rest of the way, too. In my opinion, this Colts team can be a very uh, solid playoff team if they get there. They can run the ball. Uh, Taylor, I think you can make a case that he's a, a dark horse MVP candidate. It's what you kind of mean to your team. And I think in, in his case, everything kind of goes through Jonathan Taylor. Um, it, it's a strange game because the Cardinals are just 3-3 three and three at home. The Colts are 4-2 and two on the road. Um, big game to both these two teams. Um, the, the hard part for the Colts, T.C., even if they win out, I think nobody's going to want to play them in the postseason. But because they have the two losses, to the Tennessee Titans, more than likely they're not going to win the AFC South. They're going to be a wild-card team. So as good as they can run the ball and play defense, Carson Wentz is going to have to probably step up toward the end of the year and in the postseason because they're going to be looking at three road playoff games to potentially be playing in early February. All right. One more game I want to touch on with you, Chuck, is Buffalo and New England. We're going to get another rematch from that that uh, Monday night game that we saw just a couple weeks ago uh, where 
um, you know, New England only threw the ball three times. Now the Patriots are at home, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo got that victory on Sunday, which was huge. But now uh, here we go with a quick rematch from, between these two teams that know each other pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put a prop up of over-under pass attempts by Mac Jones at three and a half because I think he's going to have to throw a lot more in this game. I wasn't so sure that Buffalo wasn't the better team in that game. Just they couldn't stop the run. Um, although the Patriots are nine and five and the Bills are eight and six, a win here by Buffalo and they own tiebreakers, they would probably win the AFC East. This is a much bigger game for the Patriots than the loss on Saturday night was to the Colts. Winner here wins the East and gets a home playoff game. Chuck, I think you had uh, more total passes in the Army-Navy game on a prop, didn't you? Over three and a half, didn't you? (laughs) I think so, buddy. I think so. All right, great stuff. He is Chuck Esposito. He's over at Red Rock. Go see Chuck. Fantastic sports book over there. Uh, Get the mobile app. The STN mobile app is fantastic. It is so easy to use. Uh, Chuck, tell everybody how they get it and uh, what else you guys got going on here. Yeah, we love it when all the guests come out and experience everything we have to offer, not only at Red Rock, but all of our properties and um, experience, you know, the, the entertainment offering, the food and beverage, our sports books, um, our mobile app. We know that everyone's busy this time of year and has honey to do lists and stuff going on. Um, sign up for STN Sports. Uh, we have the up to $100 bonus going on for new signups. A $50 deposit gets you a cool STN Sports cap. And with all the different leagues and everything going on and different time zones, I mean, it really does bring the sports book to the palm of your hand. And, uh, hey, it's, it's a fun time of year with so much going on right now. So come on in and get signed up. You get in here and we're a little bit busy. You can always skip the line and make deposits at our kiosks as well, not only here but our wildfire gaming properties, all of the big six and the El Cortez. So uh, last thing, TC, I just want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and, and all the listeners as well from STN Sports, Station Casinos, myself, Happy holidays, you guys, and uh, you know, hope you get to spend some time with your family and loved ones. Absolutely, Chuck. I appreciate that. And right back at you, my friend. Enjoy some time off. And I know that you, you really don't get any time off at this time of year for you, but uh, uh, the, the little bit that you do, uh, enjoy, my friend, and, uh, and be well with the family. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you taking some time today. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. Appreciate him. When we come back, it's Terrible Tuesday. Time for some takes. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. All right, don't forget, Friday is Christmas Eve, but we will still be at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas coming up this Friday. All right, so come on out, enjoy the show, look forward to that, and of course then New Year's Eve uh, the following week as well too. And we'll also be out there for a little bonus show with the uh, Las Vegas Bowl next Thursday, a week from Thursday for the Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin and Arizona State, so looking forward to that. So uh, yeah, plenty of shows coming up at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home uh, each and every Friday during the football and the basketball season. And you know what Tuesday means, right? That means it's Terrible Tuesday. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right. Coaches going for it on fourth down. I'm losing my mind with what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter if it's the NFL, if it's college football, but probably the king of all this is John Harbaugh with Baltimore because we've seen it time and time again. Harbaugh again early in the game Sunday as the Baltimore Ravens are playing the Green Bay Packers. Early in the game. Ravens have the ball, fourth and goal from the four-yard line. And, unfortunately, during this game, being the high-profile game on Fox, we've got to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Not that I mind listening to Troy Aikman. I'm totally fine with Troy Aikman. But Joe Buck, as we know, a whole different animal, a whole different beast, and hard to listen to. So Troy Aikman says, on fourth and goal from the four-yard line, he says, well, I would kick the field goal here. Yeah, they, they needed to, to take the points and kick the field goal. 
Well, of course they do. It's fourth and goal from the four-yard line. His tag team partner, Joe Buck, says, well, the analytics community doesn't agree with you. What is he talking about? Here we go again. People that do not think before they speak. You have the ball on the four-yard line. I've talked about it time and time again. What are the odds that this is going to happen? People say it's 50-50. It's not even close to 50-50. A two-point conversion is about 30%. So when you back it up even further, what do you think? it That the odds go up? And what analytics community is this clown talking about? You're at the four-yard line. Your percentages are low. Anybody that's advocating that it is a smart choice to go for it is out of their mind. Now let's fast forward to the end of the game. Oh, by the way, we know what happened, right? Of course they went for it a fourth and uh, you know four. And what happened? They didn't get it. Of course they didn't. So we fast forward to the end of the game. Here we go again. Baltimore trails the Packers by seven. 31-24. Deja vu. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound familiar to what happened with Baltimore and Pittsburgh? Sure it does. 47 seconds left in this game on Sunday. Tyler Huntley scores an eight-yard touchdown run. And here we go. Baltimore battles back, has a chance to actually tie this game. But no. What does Harbaugh do? Elects to go for two. And there was a lot of question marks here. People saying, well, is he going to go for two? Is he going to kick? Well, before it never even be a question. You go into overtime, you take your chances, especially when you have a field goal kicker like Justin Tucker, who is the best in all of the NFL. But because Harbaugh's propensity to go for it, people are thinking he's probably going to go for it again. Even though he was unsuccessful early in the game, even though he was unsuccessful a couple weeks earlier against the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, his attitude is going to prevail here. His machoism is going to prevail here. And Harbaugh is going to go for it again. And guess what happens? Again, it doesn't work out. We get a rollout to the right. Pass is incomplete. Game over. Final score, Green Bay 31, Baltimore 30. The smart thing to do here, and the only thing to do here, is kick the extra point. You got Justin Tucker, automatic. The game, if it goes to overtime, you win the coin flip, you got a shot. Even if you don't win the coin flip, your defense could come up with a stop. You got the best kicker in football who's good from 60 on in. Heck, he might be good from 65 on in, depending on the conditions. Two pivotal games for the Ravens. You need to win both of these games, and you choose to take a low-risk gamble. I don't get it. It's mind-boggling. It's a low percentage. You got the best kicker in the game. You go to OT, whatever. It says that you have zero confidence in your defense. Harbaugh has cost the Ravens two potential victories with these bonehead calls. Now, all of a sudden, you look at the standings, and the Baltimore Ravens are 8-6, and six, tied with the Cincinnati Bengals, when this thing could be flipped. They could be 10-4 and four and have already clinched a playoff spot. Now, back to Joe Buck. All right, let me continue to rip on this clown. All right? He said analytics four times during this game. Stop! With the analytics. We don't use that term in football. All right? Quit bringing your baseball terms to football because it doesn't apply here. When does anybody say analytics in the game of football? You know why no one says analytics? Because there aren't any analytics here. What would be the analytics? Your two-point conversion chart that you're looking at? All right? When to go for two? When it's five to get it down to three? When it's one to get it up to three? When it's 13 to get it to 11? You don't even need a sheet for that. But analytics, there is no such thing as analytics. But this Hammenager, because he talks baseball all the time, and he's so used to overusing that nonsense with baseball analytics, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about spin rate with pitchers? Are we talking about launch angles? Are we talking about pinch hitters against lefties? Or what your pitch count is? That's analytics. There's no analytics in the game of football. So... The more I listen to Joe Buck, the more I lose it. And I know I'm not the only one because social media loves venting their frustrations at this clown. And I don't know why Fox continues to put this guy on primetime games. His dad was great. He's not in any sport. 
It's sickening. <sighs> Back to the football. Chargers in Kansas City. Here we go, same thing. Who is more inept maybe than John Harbaugh? Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers. I don't know how much longer he's going to be a head coach. He went for it on five occasions against the Chiefs without even blinking an eye. Remember the game Thursday night? He's not blinking an eye. He's not thinking clearly. He's two for five on fourth down. And guess what? It cost your team the game in a game that you're fighting for playoff spots. And you're letting teams like the lowly Raiders and the lowly Browns back into the playoff hunt because you can't manage a game. Kansas City wins the game 34-28. Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes in the overtime. But earlier in the game, it doesn't even get to this because you get to fourth down, they're passing up a field goal. Kansas City, what what do they do? After Staley goes, great, I'm going to pass him a field goal. I'm going to go for it on fourth and goal from the five. Fourth and goal from the five, you're not getting in. Your percentage is low. What does Kansas City do? 95 yards, 11 plays, touchdown. That's what you get. These coaches have no clue. It's like fourth and anything, they're going for it. And... Remember, it'd be fourth and inches in coaches would punt. And that'd be somewhat irritating when they get to the 50-yard line. Fourth and one, they would punt. Now we're seeing fourth and fours, fourth and fives, fourth and sixes when you get down to the 35-yard line. Kickers can kick these field goals from 55 yards and in. Don't overthink it. It's crazy what we're seeing here. College game, it's just as insane. BYU lost to UAB. In one of their in the bowl game a few days ago, you know why? Because BYU went for it on five occasions and gave UAB the ball back in pristine condition. BYU was two for five on fourth down, going for it in nonsensical situations. Oh, final score! UAB wins thirty-one twenty-eight. I've had it with this. It's it, it, they're not even thinking. I don't know who is telling these people that it, it has better odds to go for it. Everybody in football, you can be a moron and you know that it is less than 30% if you're at the two or three yard line. What do you think it is from the four or the five yard line? And when you roll out and you give yourself half the field, insane, insane in the membrane. You only think it worse than that, all right? I'm going to go a little TV time here because, you know, I love going TV time. Is the Geico football commercial. That's the only thing that's probably worse than this. Have you seen this nonsense? The baby carriage on the field. Okay, yeah, I'm getting worked up about a commercial because this is insane. And I know you've seen it and you've heard it. All right, here we go. Miller in motion. What, wait, is that a baby on the field? It looks like it, Craig. And the defensive linemen are playing peekaboo. I've never seen anything like that before. Harris now appears to be burping the baby. Uh, that's a great moment right there. Ref going to the rule book here. Well, wait a minute. Harris is off to the races. We don't need any more trick plays. Touchdown! But we could all use more ways to save. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's got to be a long bus ride home for the defense. Switch the Geico for more ways to save. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A baby on the field. What do they think this is? The fumble ruski? The old Nebraska play? No. No. See, it's it's irritating to football fans. And, you know, some people who have no clue about football, I mean, they may think that's cute, but anybody that likes football, that watches football, that knows football, you're insulting the intelligence of the football fan. Oh, and by the way, where's the baby crying here? Where's the baby in there? Is that a dead baby in there? Is there no baby? What is it? There's no baby. This is nonsense. And I'll tell you what. The people who write these commercials, they know nothing about sports. For this to get by an ad agency and to get on the screen. And I'm telling you, you know what this has done for me with Geico? You know? The no football IQ, this horrendous spot, it has now deflated my thought for Geico. That's right. I'm off of Geico. You know, it built so much goodwill with me with all the other great ads. The fencing ad. Remember the fencing? Remember the ants? How about going back to Marco Polo or even Animal in the Addict, okay? And even, you know, the the Pied Piper. You know, I didn't care for that one, you know, playing the, the bagpipes underneath the sink. Okay, all that now, down the drain for me. 
all that down the drain. You've wasted all your goodwill with me when you put this nonsense with a baby carriage on the football field, scoring a touchdown. Oh, and by the way, the all-time greatest, this one, Sprinkles! Boom, shaka-laka-laka, boom, shaka. Great! Phenomenal, right? That's the best Geico commercial of all time. And what? You cut it off? Now! Down the drain. It's down the drain with this nonsense with a baby carriage. I can't handle it. Geico, you lost me. (sighs) Okay. I don't know what's worse. All right, that or Bruce Arians ought to bring back Antonio Brown. Earlier... Bruce Arians said, remember, I'm not putting up with him. I, forget about it. I don't, I don't need that drama. Don't need him. Well, now all of a sudden, Bruce Arians has changed his mind. Today he's saying Antonio Brown is back after serving a three-game suspension. Why? Oh, yeah, for falsifying these COVID ID. Yeah, the vaccination card. Not a good look. And now Bruce Arians has changed his tune altogether, saying... This is best for the team. Here's Bruce Arians at his latest press conference. I could give it what they think. The only thing I care about is this football team and what's best for us. You don't give a blank, the S word, of what everybody thinks. What's best for your football team. How is this best for your football team? You were 10-3 and before you lost to the Saints, before you got zero. All right, Maybe that's where your frustration is or where it should be. You are 10-3 and three without Antonio Brown. You don't need his drama. The teammates don't need it. He is replaceable. Believe it or not, it's been shown he's replaceable. Just ask Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, all right? Just ask Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. They said say a lot V to him, and you could do it too, Bruce Arians. Heck, you did, and you threw him under the bus by saying you don't need him. You're not going to put up with his nonsense. So bad look. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization, bad look for Bruce Arians because you're going back on your word. And you know what? There are guys in that locker room that don't want to see this guy come back to work tomorrow. They don't want to see him. You don't need him. One of those guys you think really wants him is Tom Brady because Brady went to bat for him because Brady wants that that weapon that Antonio Brown can be. Granted, great receiver. However, it's 50-50. Okay. It's 50-50 what you're going to get with him, whether he's going to show up, you know, whether he's going to go on, a, on another tirade, whether it's throwing furniture off of a balcony, whether he's going to jump out of a, a, a vehicle, uh, whether he's going to do another nonsense, or he's going to you know, do something to a female. You have no idea what's going to take place. Oh, by the way, we never thought that he would probably try to get someone to get a fake vaccination card form nothing is beyond this clown nothing so how could you put your trust in him when you're going into your final three games of the season because mike evans got hurt because chris godwin's out for the year because leonard fournette is hurt then just say that we would respect you more if you said we're depleted we need his talent man i hope he doesn't screw up instead of saying i don't give a bleep about you know what other people say, or I'll give a bleep about what I said before. Well, you're the one that said it. So either you don't have any morals, or you really changed your mind, you turned around and you said, well, things were different. What's different? This clown is still a clown. Plain and simple. Also, the Buccaneers signed Le'Veon Bell today. There's another head case, right? Doesn't make sense. You don't, you don't need. You don't, there are plenty of street-free agents, wide receivers, running backs that you can get that don't have a checkered past. <sighs> now, I don't know what's worse. That or the Nets bringing back Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving coming back as a part-time player. Now, Kyrie Irving is going to come back for the Nets and play games outside of New York and Toronto. Are you kidding me? Stop with this nonsense, too. Kyrie Irving. This guy has played in the league for 10 years. On only four times, all right, four of his 10 years, this guy has played more than 60 games. (laughs) What do you think it is? Is it the injuries, or what is it with this guy? The Nets bringing him back. Oh, it's again, it's talent over, over anything else. 
Yes. But here's the deal. You don't need this guy either. He doesn't want to play. This is like Khalil Mack back when he was with the Raiders saying, I don't want to play for this team anymore. Get me out of here. Please trade me. Even if that meant going to just as bad a team as the Chicago Bears as the Raiders. Yes, Kyrie Irving is a hundred times worse. And and really, why is this such an issue? It's because who it is. Because it's Kyrie Irving. Because this guy is an enigma. This guy is all about himself. All right? This guy clearly doesn't want to play basketball. He's always making excuses. First of all, he won't comply with the vaccination policies. He won't do that. This guy has refused to play for being sick. He's refused for having emotional distress. Heck, if you remember this back on January 6th, remember what happened? He refused to play after the insurrection of the Capitol. Tell me, what in the world does he have to do with people storming the Capitol? Him saying, oh, wait, wait, I can't play today. I can't play tomorrow. This thing has really got me upset. No, they're storming the Capitol. What the hell do you care about the Capitol? What does the Capitol have to do with you not wanting to play a team sport for your team? The bottom line is this. He just likes watching TV and says, hey, that's a pretty good excuse for me not to go to work today. That's what this clown is doing. He'd rather collect unemployment. Oh, he is. He's collecting his checks from the Brooklyn Nets for not showing up to work. Who can do this? Who can just to say, I'm not showing up to work today? Especially when you're on a team. You have all your other teammates have to go to work. You have to play on Christmas Day. You got to go to training camp. You got to play on holidays. You got to go play on your when you're sick. You got to go travel on the road, maybe to environments where maybe you you know, you got traded from or something like that. That's what professional athletes do. They play, especially when you're one of the highest paid athletes. You play no matter what. Even if you're down a little bit, emotionally or physically, you got to play. All right? You go to work. You don't get to pick and choose which days. And these guys like him that like to use mental health as an excuse, don't go there with me on that, okay? Only go there if you're diagnosed. Kyrie Irving, go see a doctor. Get diagnosed. And if you really got mental health issues, then that's okay. Then you got a legitimate excuse. Not Or, you know, like Antonio Brown, you know? Don't lie about being vaccinated when you're not. Don't be like Aaron Rodgers and lie about being vaccinated when you're not. All right? And try to use, use cute words and go about it. All right? Bottom line is if you have a mental health issue, okay, we'll appreciate that. We'll respect that. And guess what? The Brooklyn Nets and the NBA and society will help you. They'll give you a pass and help you get right. But don't use these nonsense excuses for not wanting to go to work. And why do the Nets put up with this? Do you think Kevin Durant actually wants this guy in and out of his locker room? I don't think Kevin Durant wants him in and out of his life. Go away, Kyrie Irving. Just go away. The Nets are fine playing without you. Kind of like the Buccaneers without Antonio Brown. The Nets are doing just fine without Kyrie Irving. I told you I need some water today, don't I? The Arizona Cardinals. All right, so we're, we're, stick, we're going back to football. The Arizona Cardinals. All right, this is a team that was, was pegged as being a front runner, being one of the best teams. They were talking about the Arizona Cardinals at 10 and 3, the Green Bay Packers at 10 and 3, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 10 and 3. Well, the Bucs got zero. We're not thinking so highly of them anymore, especially with the injuries. The Green Bay Packers are the Green Bay Packers. They're going to be the number one seed. But the Arizona Cardinals have been atrocious, losing two in a row in bad fashion. The worst of it was losing to the Detroit Lions as a 13-point favorite. You go on the road. Now, can you not get up? To go play the Detroit Lions, a team entering this game was 1-11-1. All right? Sounds like a date. January 11th. and what is that, what's that? that was a record. 1-11-1. Could you not get up for the Lions? Or did you just not get enough sleep? Did you have to play an early morning game You know, in Detroit? Well, it, it was a 1 o'clock game. Arizona, you're already on the mountain time zone. Really, you're only losing two hours there, if anything. 
They were abysmal. Kyler Murray, I don't want to hear about Kyler Murray anymore. Abysmal, the way he's throwing the football. No confidence whatsoever. Uh, James Conner gets the injury. You don't know what to do. Are you kidding me? You got no DeAndre Hopkins. You've opted not to throw DeAndre Hopkins for two years. You wanted to go to Captain Kirk and said, shouldn't matter. You're playing the Lions. But for two weeks in a row, Kyler Murray, you stink. The Arizona Cardinals stink. And kudos to Dan Campbell. Huh? Dan Campbell and the Lions. They show up to work. Unlike a lot of other people, they play hard and they win. Here's Dan Campbell post game. Welcome to Detroit. Man, I tell you what, we did everything we said we needed to do to that team. We did everything. And I tell you what, defense, you took it personal. It's three and out, man. You guys are making them have to punt. We turned the ball over offensively, right? And then we defensively, a mighty 2 4, get Man, we came after them early, man. We said we we're going to be aggressive. We took some shots, and we made them. We made our shots early, and then we just started hammering them. Hell, our first drive was eight minutes, man. You guys are a tough, gritty group, man. You're a tough, gritty group. You always have been, and now you're you're seeing the dividends, man. Look, a team gets one out, two out. We got multiple guys out, and multiple guys stepped up, and that's what we're capable of. Tuesday on a good note, Dan Campbell, the Lions, show up for work, show up to play, play hard, and you know what they did? They dominated the Cardinals. They blew them out. Good for the people in Detroit. Good for those people that showed up to the game. And uh, we end a terrible Tuesday with kudos to Dan Campbell. Again, this guy takes a lot, is a butt of a lot of jokes. And we talked about him in, in training camp going way back. Had some great Dan Campbell sound bites. Sound bites. That's a good one right there. All right. want to thank... Chuck Esposito for joining us today. Sam Gordon for joining us talking Raiders and Browns and the Raiders victory. Go to the website. Check out the article up on the website about yesterday's game and the Raiders victory. Uh, Check out all the great sound, audio, and the interviews all up there at tcmartinshow.com. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate Numchuck. Terrible Tuesday. Great stuff today. We reconvene again tomorrow. Working our way towards Christmas. Uh, If you're out there shopping, be careful. Be safe. Have a good one. Enjoy college bowl games galore coming your way. And we got two football games that are getting ready to happen right now. Tuesday night football. We've got the Seahawks and the Rams. And we got Washington and Philadelphia. Have a good one. We reconvene tomorrow right here at 2 o'clock.